everybody. This is Jim. And Jeremy. And we are back. We have been gone for over a month, the regular podcast. We've I, been on a hiatus. Yeah. I kind of lost my voice, so I have it back. But we have an action-packed show, number 29. Our main topic uh, we're going to talk about is the Doors movie from 1991. We're also going to do This Day in Music History. And we're going to talk about some uh, new albums that we've been listening to. So we're going to start with This Day in Music History. And for May 28th, you may ask why May 28th. And basically, that's when this podcast is coming out. So for those of you taking notes. So I'm going to start it off. May 28th, 1968, Creedence Clearwater Revival released their debut album. The band had played for years as the Gollywogs. I did not know that. Never even heard of them. Saul, I'm going to get this wrong, Zentz, who had bought Fantasy Records, offered the band a chance to record an album on the condition that they changed their name. He didn't like that name, obviously. So the album features an eight-minute version of the Dale Hawkins song, Suzy Q. We know that one. Yeah. Eight-minute version, though. Ooh. And it became the band's top 40 hit. And it was not written, of course, by John Fogarty. Wow. <laughs> Suzy Q is a... Uh, that's a brutal song for, like, three minutes. <laughs> I yeah. can't imagine eight minutes. Yeah, there's not many uh, words in that song. No, there is not. So, May 28th, 1996, Depeche Mode singer Dave... I'm gonna Gahan. Gahan. Thank you. There you go. Depeche Mode singer Dave Gahan was rushed to Cedars Hospital, Los Angeles, after an apparent drug overdose. Oh. However, the singer was later arrested for possession of cocaine and heroin. Hmm. What year was that? 1996. Oh. Drugs are bad. Yeah. Okay, we got uh, May 28th, 1969. Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger, and Marion Faithful, they were arrested at their London home and charged with possession of cannabis. And they were both later released on $85 bail. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That was $69. $85. And nice. now, it, now it's, um, you know, legal in New Jersey yeah. and some other states. I wonder what the, uh, ups, like, what the inflation on that oh, $85 yeah. would be Might today. have been, like, <laughs> might have still been, like, 500 Yeah. You know, something like that. Uh, all right. So May 28th, year 2000. Ooh, the millennium, Y2K, all that scary <laughs> stuff. Britney Spears was at number one on the U.S. album chart with Oops, I Did It Again. A singer's second album also reached number one in 13 other countries and has now sold over 20 million copies. Wow. 20 million. Yeah. I remember I was in middle school at that point that song was huge that whole album was huge but that song was everywhere yeah where was i 2000 2000 uh, i was in my 30s oh you were a party oh, wait a minute then, weren't you jeremy i was your age <laughs> that you are now. <laughs> i'm gonna stop saying ages because nobody needs to know there you go. how old we are may 28th 2015 Michael Jackson's former home, Neverland Ranch, was listed for sale for $100 million. The 2,700-acre ranch in Santa Ynez Valley, California, included a train station, a six-bedroom house, and a 50-seat movie theater, and two lakes. First of all, I'm impressed that you said that city correctly. Oh, did I? Yeah. I mean, 
Oh, if, I thought the Y if, was silent. If not, you fooled the hell out of me. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I didn't say it right. Maybe. I'm convinced. So. Santa Nez. I don't yeah, know. Something. Uh, so, last one for me. May 28th, 2019. So, pretty recent. Uh, Motorhead's Ace of Spades was named greatest gambling song of all time, with Lady Gaga's Poker Face voted into second place. Online poker giant Poker Stars asked 1,000 of its European customers to select their favorite poker theme song from a list of those choices. <laughs> I didn't know there were poker songs. I didn't either, but if you go to casinos, a lot of casinos have like a theme song that they'll play every hour. Okay. I've noticed that. Poker genre. Yeah. I didn't know that. We're going to talk about some new albums since, you know, we haven't been, we haven't done the podcast in over like a month and a half. I've been listening to a lot of new albums and albums I think people should listen to that I like. So one band, the first band, they've been getting a lot of, uh, I was going to say airplay, but that's not true anymore. You know, radio, they getting a lot of, let's say buzz, Instagram, Facebook, probably. And it's a band called Wet Leg. Have you heard of them, Jeremy? No, can't say I have. So they're a Brit- British indie rock band from the Isle of Wit, I think that is. <laughs> so, W-I-G-H-T uh, in England. At first I was thinking, thinking the band, you know, won't last past their second album. Because mainly the, uh, you know, the lyrics sound like they're come up, they came up with them on the spot basic melody i i like the band because they're simple songs and they're actually kind of quirky so i like quirky quirky is good like so here's two songs you got to check out and the album is self-titled so it's wet leg uh first song is chase lounge and they take a, a line out of the movie mean girls there's a there's a scene with Lindsay lohan in the lunchroom and this guy comes up up to her this kid and he like he's doing a survey and he asks her if her muffin is buttered <laughs> and he asked if she would like to assign someone the butter her muffin. So that's in the song. And then there's a song called Wet Dream. Oh. And the lyrics are as dirty as you think. Okay. There's like four people in the band, but it's mainly two two girls. One girl mainly singing, the other girl kind of helping her out a little bit. But And they're pretty young. They're probably in their 20s. Uh, so check that out, Wet Leg. And I found this band called Fontaine's DC. Uh, they have an album called Skinky Fla. <laughs> FLA came out in April. They're from Dublin, Ireland. They're a post-punk band. Check out the song Roman Holiday. Remember a band called the Stone Roses? Sort of sounds like the, them. Alternative, pretty good. The Interrupters in the Wild. Their album comes out in August. They released a single in the mirror off the upcoming album. Uh, they're a California ska punk band. And they sound like No Doubt hmm. with a little more harder sound i mean they are edgy the lead singer almost sounds like gwen stefani okay so i really like them uh let's see band called cold years uh album goodbye to misery that came out in april a british rock band uh check out the song jane and that's got kind of green day vibes to it of course we got jack white uh fear of the dawn love this album uh very experimental like always 
but very solid album. Of course, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Unlimited Love, double album. And uh, there's a fly. I'm going to hear the fly in there. If you hear a fly, that's, uh, <laughs> that there's was, a fly in here. That was great. Ann Wilson from Heart. She has a. Oh, that's right. You told me. Really about good. That. Yeah. Really good solo album called Fierce Blues. Came out in April. Check out the song Greed. Uh, there's a guy called Sam Jr. Self titled. Came out in March. Uh, the song Na 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 Na. Uh, it's got like a Lovin' Rockets, Nine Inch Nails sound. He's from Canada. And he describes the concept. It's an EP as what would the dude's band from the Big Lebowski sound like? So give that a listen. That's pretty interesting. And then I got, um, there's two blues albums here. Dana Fuchs, who I just saw at the Stanhope House in New Jersey. Uh, Borrowed Time came out in April. And she is currently number four, number five on the Billboard blues album charts. I don't think she's ever charted an album. So that tell you, this album is really good. And check out the song, Not Another Second of You. It sounds like the Rolling Stones, like the, the uh, music, you know, the, the feel of the song. Great song. And, you know, I go on Apple Music and I, I said this before, but if you go down at the bottom and it'll tell you artists like that person. And I just found this guy, his name's Albert. And I'm going to say this wrong because I, I looked up his last name. It's not like you think it, but this is how it's spelled. <laughs> Cast, Castiglia. And it's called I Got Love. Came out in March. He's a New York-based blues artist. Kind of like uh, the fabulous Thunderbirds. Uh, great guitar work. I think every song has a solo. And it's just great blues. Great blues album. And lastly is one I listened to today. Just came out. Van Morrison. And I don't have it in front of me, which I should. <laughs> He has a new album out, and the album is like an hour and ten minutes. It's it's great. It's it's classic Van Morrison horns, organ, piano, but the songs are a little too long. The first song is seven minutes long, and there's another song on the album which he just repeats. You know, I wanted to count it, it probably a hundred times the, the same thing. So that's the only downfall. But great sound. Always liked Van Morrison. Are there any uh, albums you? So not nearly as many as you, but I have a few. A few years ago, I stumbled upon Hailstorm, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you've ever listened to them or seen them live. Yes, uh, but they just—I have actually... not seen them live. But okay, yeah, I know they are fantastic. Lizzie Hale is like Evanescence, but better. I mean, she's just she will belt it out mm -hmm. every single time. Um, they just released a new album. And, you know, being a fan, I'm probably a little biased, but I loved it. It was mm -hmm. hard. It was energetic. And there was a song in their bombshell that I really loved that, mm -hmm. you know, if I had to recommend a song, I would go straight to that one. We discussed it last time, I think briefly, but the Scorpions new album, yeah. I've been listening to quite a bit. And it kind of brought me back that nostalgia, you know, of their 80s sound. I don't know that it's necessarily their best album, but I don't think they you know, jump the shark in a sense. Like, I think it still does justice to their sound. It it sounds like an album that could have come out like 30 years ago. Correct. Yeah, they st they have not lost, what's his name, Klaus. It sounds the same. Yeah, and it, it didn't feel like they were trying to force an album out there just to try to make sales. It, it, yeah. It sounded like an album that made sense that sounded like they put some maybe they had fun doing and effort yeah, yeah putting together yeah and it just you could kind of feel that off of the release i, I really enjoyed mm -hmm. listening to that 
There's also a newer band that I checked out called The Cult of Luna. Uh-huh. They just came out with a CD called The Long Road North. And it's funny you were talking about the Van Morrison long songs thing, because if <laughs> there is a downfall, the songs are long. <laughs> the first song is actually nine minutes and 41 seconds. I had to look it up. But even throughout, there's a song that's over seven minutes, over 12 minutes, over 10 minutes, over 11 minutes, over eight, wow. over <laughs> eight. Yeah. And the final song of the album is over 12 minutes long. It was like a hard rock kind of sound, mm-hmm. which I loved. But I think my only complaint would be that maybe the songs are just a little too long because you're you're enjoying the song and you're in the music, but you start to lose it after a while. Like I loved Rush growing up and a lot mm-hmm. of their songs are kind of longer, but they have instrumentals that at least kind of hold your attention. I don't know that the instrumentals were doing it for me in these songs. Or, or if the song goes on and they're doing the same things. Right. Or like with Van Morrison, the same chorus. Like, we don't need to hear it 20 times. Right. I have the feeling the Van Morrison album was just kind of, they recorded it all together and they just kept going. You know, they were just in a, in a, in a, you know, in the groove and they didn't realize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we, yeah. You know, I don't know. So I like the album. Um, maybe the song's a little too long. The other one I gave a chance, and I know you discussed it, was the new Brian mm-hmm. Adams album. Yeah. Which, it's not brand new, but that's within the last six months, mm-hmm. something like that. And it was so slow and boring and disappointing as a Brian Adams That was fan. one I thought maybe I should give it another try. Yeah. But I might have the same feeling for I, I th- it. I think I tried it initially when it first came out and took a break and came back to it and I'm still not feeling it. The other um Shinedown also has a new album mm-hmm. coming out and I think I sent you a text message about that, but I have that on pre-order, so I'm curious to see what that's going to sound like um when it comes out because again another band I really enjoy listening to. They haven't put anything out there in a while, so And there's a new Def Leppard coming out. I saw that. They released a single. And didn't the Chili Peppers just release an album or they have yeah, one I, coming out? I did out? mention that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the Chili Peppers put out almost a double album. Okay. Like on vinyl, I got the the silver vinyl. And it yeah, it's two albums. Yeah, I think it's like sixteen songs. And going back to Van Morrison, I think it's like sixteen songs. Yeah. So you know, I don't know when the last time he put an album out. I know the Chili Peppers they take they could take eight years. I I don't know when the last one I really like the Chili Peppers though. You know, big fan. I'm going to see them in September. I got it. So I love Heart. So I'm going to have to check out that Ann Wilson CD for sure. But um, a lot of times, too, I've been kind of shuffling music either through mm-hmm. uh, like YouTube or Apple Music. And I tend to forget to jot down some of the songs that randomly come on. Yeah. And next thing you know, it's like, shoot, I like that song. But mm-hmm. who was it? Yeah. Yeah. So I got to get better about that. But. That's why I don't, I don't like listening to the radio stations on, I I like listening to them, but it doesn't tell you what the song is. No. And you used to get, you know, even 10 years ago, the Mm -hmm. DJ would at least after five or six songs, oh yeah, that was Bon Jovi, Aerosmith, Guns N' Roses, whatever, but you don't hear that anymore. So there's a playlist called, I think it's called The New Rock. It's mostly younger bands, but I found, I've discovered, that's how that, that ska band I just discovered was in there it's like 50 songs they rotate it's all new stuff but i just discovered i wish i could remember it but it's there's another playlist of rock and it's new rock songs and it's old bands you know probably the scorpions might be in there but it it, i think there's a hundred songs in there 
Wow. So you don't have to figure out who really who just released an album. My other thing is Apple Music, when you go to browse new albums, like I look on there every Friday, and they they seem to concentrate like Top 40 does on the rap and the dance. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know Ann Wilson had a new album out. It wasn't in the new albums on Apple Music. Why isn't it in the new albums on Apple? And it's a great album. I don't know. So How do they pick? Well, they, how do they pick how they feature those albums? Well, I'm telling you, like 70%, 80 are rap and right. dance. That's what I'm... Because a lot not, of... Everyone wants to hear that, and I'm paying for the service. They need to expand on that new album list. Yeah. Put some alternative in there, put some... Yeah, because it almost seems yeah. like they feature what they want you to listen to, as opposed yeah. to what you enjoy listening to. Well, I was to. surprised at Van Morrison. I didn't know he had a new album out, uh, and that was in there. But why isn't Ann Will... You know, some are and some aren't. And I think I saw... I might be... I might follow her on Instagram, and I saw that she had a new album out. I think someone interviewed her recently. Yeah, someone interviewed her recently. That's how I found out about it. Okay. <laughs> Before we go into the Doors movie, I always think about this afterwards. Kind of wanted to just take a moment to, you know, mention the passing of Taylor Hawkins. Okay. Yeah. From the Foo Fighters, the drummer. I was a huge, well, I still am a huge Foo Fighters fan. And Taylor was such a cool person mm-hmm. with the fans yeah. in interviews live i've seen them twice they were unbelievable and i wanted to see them again this year they canceled the tour but just kind of wanted to mention real quick you know how inspirational the foo fighters have been for me especially being a nirvana fan growing up and Mm -hmm. then david grohl kind of going and continuing that grunge type of feel turning it into rock Mm -hmm. i hope you don't mind me oh no stealing a minute there but just Taylor Hawkins, rest in peace. No, Thank he was an for... incredible drummer. I've I've seen him interviewed. I I think Dave Grohl and him put out. They were putting out a video like every day of different like mm-hmm. cover songs. Yes, you know some people that are in the same band may not be best of friends, but Dave Grohl was truly that. I'm pretty sure that was his best friend. So that's that's what's the saddest. And we haven't really heard from Dave. He needs to take some time to assess the future right of the foo fighters right that, and that's one of their have you seen them live or no no okay. i haven't i wanted to dave that's one of his things during a performance he'll be like we can cover any song you want us to cover what yeah and they'll usually ask you want to hear a cover song or you want to hear yeah. a foo fighter song and of course the fans are like we want foos we don't want yeah. covers <laughs> yeah but but even dave I, I saw him he'll bring people up on stage yep they can play guitar uh, recently that girl that I don't know how old she was. She might've been eight, 10 years old. Uh, they brought her up to play drums because yep. they saw a video of her when he fell off the stage and broke his leg. I actually, mm-hmm. that was the last time that I saw them. And even in this like throne King chair type thing, he's up there rocking. Oh and yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Belting it out. And it, uh, well, that's a band that loves what they do. Absolutely. They're not there. Yeah. I mean, everybody's out to try and make money, but they oh, don't, yeah. they don't show up just to collect a paycheck. They put on a performance mm-hmm. and yeah. there's no lack of effort. Anytime that I've seen them, any show I've seen online and any review that I've ever seen. Yeah. Cause I've seen some bands, you know, that kind of call it in. Yeah. Just kind of go through the motions. Like, yeah, eh, this is yeah. stop number 37. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
So we're going to get into the Doors movie from 1991. Now, Jeremy and I watched this. It probably was two months ago. We were planning on doing the podcast right after. So we'll see what we remember. (laughs) Now, when this movie came out, I did see the movie. Uh, I was a big Meg Ryan fan. Not really a Val Kilmer fan, but... And I did like The Doors. You know, I do like The Doors. He did a great job, though, playing the lead, yeah. Val Kilmer. Yeah. Now, I have met someone, I won't say his name, who had never heard of The Doors. Wow. He's 26 years old, so he is fairly young. <laughs> and you know what? I was thinking, you don't really hear The Doors that much, but as soon as I said that a couple of weeks ago, we were at the grocery store. And there's two grocery stores in town, but they both seem to play some cool music. What do I hear? I hear the doors. Nice. You know? So I'm going to give you a quick lesson on the doors. I know Jeremy knows the doors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget. So my dad and I took a trip to Michigan. It was the first time we ever went. And you either had cassette tapes mm-hmm. or the radio. Yeah, yeah. Well, as you're traveling from state to state to state, you're losing stations. So you got to, you know, tune in a new one. And on our trip, we heard Light My Fire six times <laughs> and Madonna's Hey Mr. DJ nine times in all of our radio station searching. Oh, I thought you were going to say this is on a cassette. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> that was on the radio station. So wow. I got sick of Light My Fire because that outro. Well, how the, long ago was that? Uh, I was, I had to be 10 or 11. So we're talking late 90s. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the local radio station the madonna song was new so whenever that was released that was like the the hit song that was playing at the time but well there's uh, still classic rock stations like the one we have in i guess it's in allentown yeah z95 i'm sure they still play the doors yeah 99.9 the hawk i'm sure i think there's so many bands now and uh there's not really a lot of people don't listen to the radio or they have serious radio but they are played on the classic you know rock um so the Doors uh, were formed in 1965 in Los Angeles. We got Jim Morrison. He was the lead singer. He was, he was actually born in Florida. Of course, he died in 1971. He was 27 in Paris, France. Got Ray Manzarek. His real name is Daniel Raymond Manzarek Jr. He is the keyboardist. He was born in Chicago. And he unfortunately died in 2013 in Germany. He was 74. Robbie Krieger. He's the guitarist, born in Los Angeles. He's 76 years old. I thought they had all passed. I like, <laughs> I didn't realize, because you don't hear much about them anymore. No. John Densmore, he was the drummer. He's 77 years old. He was born in Los Angeles. So the band took its name from the title of uh, Aldous Huxley's book, The Doors of Perception. This is what I find most interesting. Now, Jeremy, what is missing in this band? What, what, what kind of musician is missing in this band that I always thought was odd. A guitar? No. That oh. Robbie Krieger's a guitarist. Oh. Bass? Yeah. Okay. There is no <laughs> bass player. Now, Raymond Zarek, he played left-handed keyboard bass. So he was the bass player, okay. even though he's playing keyboard. Interesting. So in 1972, they sold over 4 million albums. The band continued, believe it or not, as a trio until 1973. I didn't even know so that. So for another... Yeah, they were the first American band to accumulate eight consecutive gold LPs. They sold 100 million worldwide, but we're talking right now. Right, right, right. Now, Kiss has sold 100 million. Uh, they've been around a long time, too. 
Uh, they sold 34 million albums in the U.S. Now, you just mentioned Britney Spears. How many albums did that one album or that... 20 million. Yeah, 20 million. The Doors were pretty popular. Who knows if uh, Jim Morrison had lived and they put out some really great albums after that. They probably would have sold, uh, you know, millions more. They had only two number one hits, Light My Fire and Hello, I Love You, which was off the third album. The first one was off the first album. Love Me Two Times only reached number 25 in the U.S. So they released a total of nine albums, and three of which were after Jim Morrison died. Hmm. Uh, The last album featured Jim Morrison's poetry readings, set to music. And that album was nominated for a Grammy for Spoken Word in 1980. The first album uh, got to number two, second one number three, third one number one. And then the albums without Jim were like at number 31. The one in 72 was number 68. You know, it's funny that, so I'm a big ACDC fan, right? So are Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. They actually almost did the reverse when Bon Scott passed away, right? They got a new lead singer and they took off. Mm-hmm. The Doors, Jim Morrison was so iconic as in that lead oh, role, yeah. they kind of went the other way. Yeah, Just interesting how that works out sometimes. Well, it's weird because just yesterday someone posted that a friend of theirs told them that David Cassidy was considered to take over for the lead singer of The Doors. And, wow. And David Cassidy. No, I, that would not be a good I don't fit. think it's true. But what I found out, which I didn't know, was that they were looking for a new lead singer. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't find these things out till till later. I, I did some more research on the Doors. Like I said, I I always liked the Doors. I remember I had a Doors period. Uh, I was living with my parents. I had the downstairs of my parents' house and uh, where I was living. And I remember I was in the burning incense and just turning the lights off and listening. I didn't have the black lit, you know, posters or anything like that. Okay. I didn't go that far. But I remember just kind of getting in the putting on the doors, kind of chilling out. It was probably my way of meditating after a stressful day at work or something like that, you know. Now, this is what I found. This is also something I found. And I'm sure you doors fanatics, if you're listening, you know all this, but we're trying to educate. Some, you know, people that maybe don't know much about The Doors. But this I found interesting was, uh, so Oliver Stone directed The Doors movie, of course. Well, he actually, when Jim was alive, he sent Jim Morrison a screenplay about his Vietnam experiences. Mm -hmm. And they think it was an early version of Platoon. Interesting. Uh, I don't know if he wanted Jim to be in the movie or, or what. And supposedly, this is all hearsay, this script was sitting on his nightstand when he died. And then I think it was returned to Oliver Stone. I'm not sure. The script. Jim did get it. Supposedly he was reading it. Okay, so let's get into the Doors movie. I'm going to tell you what I thought of it. I actually thought it was a decent movie about a musician or a singer, a band. I didn't think it was... I wasn't blown away by it. It's you know? long at times, I think. Yeah, and I I think the visuals were good, the music. So Raymond Manzarek didn't like the movie. 
because he felt that the movie was mainly about Jim. And I think they really should have made a movie about the band. I mean, they did show kind of how they formed, how they met a little bit. But I think maybe they should have gone into more where they came from. To I, The movie was, what was it, over two hours anyway. Yep. The focus was on Jim <clears throat> and Meg. I mean, really. It also kind of had, have you ever seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? A long, long time ago. It kind of had that feel to it. Mm-hmm. Like, that you almost needed some extra assistance to enjoy the viewing experience maybe a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> or you needed to be smoking something, maybe. That's, I don't know. Yep, yep exactly. So th- this is from an interview with Ray Manzarek. Um, and Ray starts, he says, oh, God, I hated that movie. The, the person in the room is a guy named Mark Allen. Uh, this is, let's see, this is from 1998 interview. Mark Allen says, yeah, that was one of the things, I mean, one of the things that bothered me about the movie was it didn't have anything to do with the band. And Raymond Zarek says, no, it didn't, not at all. He says, I've always thought that what you did was one of the, I mean, I don't care how simple you say it was, it, to me, was one of the more amazing things that rock and roll ever did. So I wish there had at least been a bit of paying attention to the band and what the band did. And Ray says, well, again, there's that charisma, that gosh darn charisma of Jim Morrison that was just absolutely overpowered. Oliver Stone, I mean, let's face it, Oliver Stone fell in love with Jim. It was definitely a sexual relationship going on. (laughs) (laughs) Fortunately, Jim wasn't around. So Oliver couldn't make a fool of himself trying to actually have intercourse with Jim Morrison. These are actual words from Raymond's heart. You know, something of that nature. I mean, Oliver Stone was in love with Jim Morrison. So Ray obviously did not like the movie or Oliver Stone. The movie starts uh, with Jim talking to the audience members. And it's from a poem called The Movie. This was on the um, An American Prayer album, which was the Last Doors album. And then we see Jim in the recording studio drinking and recording spoken word. And he asks, hey, how come the doors aren't in this? And that basically, I think, sums up the movie, yeah. you know, the movie about Jim. And then we see Jim uh, as a kid in a car accident. There's a car accident with a, I don't know, Indian chief. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, his, his parents didn't want to be involved in the movie, and they only wanted to be in like a flashback scene. Right. So that's why that occurs. You see Jim in the car with his parents. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the only time they mention his parents. I don't think he mentioned his parents. Now, when I saw it in 90, 1991, I, I don't remember too much of it. And the whole movie is like drugs, booze, leather pants, sex, yeah. Yeah. flowers, maybe. Anger. Yeah. And basically, Jim meets his future girlfriend by stalking her. Her name is Pam Corson. She's walking her dog from the beach to her house. And then it becomes nighttime. They're having a party. And he's like up in a tree by that time. And I think she comes out there on the porch. I'm not going to tell you the whole (laughs) story. I mean, there are some scenes of them practicing some songs, um, you know, like Break On Through. They do show the band. They do show them going through. They do show live performances. I don't know. What what did you think of the movie, Jeremy? I mean... I liked it, but I I thought it was drawn out at points. Mm-hmm. I did th- think the focus was on Jim more so than the overall band. 
you know, I, much like you mentioned earlier, I kind of would have liked to see them build the the chemistry of the band. How did they how did they get together? How did they, you know, like what was their background, I guess? Mm-hmm. Because you just kind of you see Jim, you see Jim stalking. Yeah. You know, Meg Ryan in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're just together in a studio kind of playing songs and it's I, I thought Val Kilmer did a great job portraying Jim Morrison. I thought at points he even kind of sounded like him, you know, in his renditions of the songs. But overall, I just thought it was very long. <laughs> I, I kind of, I'm kind of surprised that they recorded as many albums as I did and that they stayed together as long. Because I got the feeling, and this is from the movie, but you almost felt a, something disjointed between here's Jim and here's the band. It didn't seem like a cohesive that they were all in it together. Right. That That's how I felt. Think if Jim lived, you know, eventually the band would have, of course, broken up. Yep. Who knows what Jim would have gone on to do. He could have down the road, you know, got back into maybe would get clean and then eventually die anyway. Who, who knows? Yeah. Uh, you know. I don't mean this to sound negative on Sting, but it almost felt like the police situation except obviously earlier with the doors Mm -hmm. like that just constant battle of trying to get along and just trying to get through well there was so much chaos in the band yeah with jim's drinking and i mean i'm sure the other guys did drugs too but if he if he lived would he just gotten worse and and you know i i can't believe there were like I said, I can't believe they were even together that long to record. I think they recorded six albums or something like that. Right. On the reverse side of that, it's kind of hard to believe that they were able to record that many albums in such a short period of time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, before I kind of knew as much as I did about The Doors, I would have thought they were together for 15 years. Yeah. Just based on the music that I knew, the mm-hmm. albums that I knew... Because it's not like they're a one-hit wonder. They're, you yeah, can easily yeah. pick up 15 to 20 Doors songs that you probably don't even realize you know. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Well, they made it seem easy writing songs. Yep. I mean, uh, in the movie, when they start practicing Break On Through, Jim says, you write one. And Robbie Krieger pulls out a crinkled piece of paper and he starts playing Light My Fire. Mm-hmm. And if we know anything from watching, I don't know if you saw the Beatles get back... It was like six hours. Yeah, that was. We all know it takes at least three days to get a song completed to perfection. This is true. You know? Yeah, <laughs> three yep. days, and you've got a hit on your hands. But Absolutely. Overall, I think the movie was pretty good. I probably wouldn't watch it again. I know that's not a big endorsement, but if you haven't seen it, it's worth seeing. I think. I think Val Kilmer, like we said, was great as Jim Morrison. I know he. He put a lot into it. Uh, supposedly, he practiced. He knew like fifty songs. I didn't even know there were fifty Doors songs. We got Kyle McLaughlin. He was Raymond Zarek. I thought he was pretty good. And Meg Ryan was, you know, decent as his girlfriend. Like I said before, I think I think they should have gone more into maybe Jim's childhood, life before the door. I, I mean, I don't know how much you could put in there. It's worth watching, and I think it kind of opened. You know, this was released in like 1990, 91, 91. Like so, you know, more recently we've seen the Queen movie. We've seen Def Leppard. We've seen Elton John. 
And I'm not saying these are blockbusters, but like the Queen movie, I thought they did a great job of kind of depicting the entire band mm-hmm. and getting that story out there. To me, the putting myself back in 1991 watching this movie, it was kind of the start of a good idea because it's very difficult to film music. Oh, yeah. Especially when you have a lead singer that's dead, so you're going... I've been told it's hard to talk about music. Yeah. Because <laughs> you need to listen. It can be. <laughs> but you have a lead singer that was a, viewed as a god by many people, you know, when he was alive. And a guy that was also kind of private, it seemed, in the film. So you're going by a lot of... What did the band members say? What did the producers say? What did friends say? You know, I don't want to say hearsay completely, but Mm -hmm. there's definitely some hearsay involved when you're filming a movie like this about someone who died and didn't get their story out there. Yeah, I don't know where he got a lot of the information from. Uh, Oliver Stone did embellish a little bit on some of the scenes. Um, you know, it's been disputed. There, there's several acts of violence that are portrayed in the film. Um, one is Thanksgiving. There's a violent argument with uh, his girlfriend at a Thanksgiving celebration. They both threaten each other with a knife. Uh, so that supposedly didn't happen. And then they kiss and make up right in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oliver Stone actually says, uh, admitted... I guess this was on a DVD version of his commentary that the Thanksgiving scene never really happened. That scene was pretty extreme. Yeah. So what are we to believe? Yeah. Now, this film, uh, again, it came out in 91, March 1st. It didn't make that much money. It made $34 million, which sounds like a lot. It cost $32 million to right. make. So they made $2 million bucks. $2 million, And they probably, you know, obviously lost money. So th- this film was like... 10 years in the making. It went through development hell after being considered by many studios and directors and several actors, including Tom Cruise, Johnny Depp, John Travolta, and Richard Gere were each considered for the role of Jim Morrison when the project was still in development in the 1980s. Wow. Johnny Depp, I think, would have done an okay job of the names you just rattled off. Also, Bono, you <laughs> too, and Michael Hutchins. Michael Hutchins might have been a good one. Yeah. They expressed interest in the film. And when Oliver Stone began talking about the project, uh, it says 1988, he had Val Kilmer in mind to play Morrison after seeing him in the Ron Howard fantasy film Willow. Hmm. I don't know that film. Yeah, I don't know that either. Uh, Kilmer had the same kind of singing voice as Morrison and to convince Stone that he was right for the role, he spent several thousand dollars of his own money and made his own eight minute audition video Wow! singing and looking like Morrison at various stages of his life. Uh, he lost weight, spent six months rehearsing Doors songs. Like I said before, he learned 50 songs and 15 of which are actually performed in the film. That's pretty cool. Now, Oliver Stone auditioned approximately 60 actresses for the role of Pamela Carson. And it was filmed over 13 weeks, which actually doesn't sound like a long time to me. Not for a film. No. No. They filmed in France, New York City, California, Mojave Desert. It's just over three months. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He originally hired Paula Abdul to choreograph the film's concert scenes. She dropped out of the project because she did not understand... Morrison's onstage actions and was not familiar with the time period. (laughs) (laughs) 
I guess the opposite. I think she's attract. as old as me. I don't know what's <laughs> going on there. Like I said, overall, this film was good. This is the last thing I want to say is there was a controversy. And this is sort of like Jim Carrey when he was the movie Man on the Moon. Mm-hmm. Makes me think of when he was playing Andy Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Uh, these actors get in the character. They don't, don't want to get out of the character. They want to immerse themselves in the person they're per- portraying. Supposedly, there's a rumor that there was a, a memo circulating among the cast and crew members listing rules of how the actor was to be treated for the duration of the principal photography. And it forbid people to approach him on the set without good reason, address him by his own name while he was in character. So I, I think that means address him by Jim. Right. Or stare at him on the set. Uh, Oliver Stone claims that it was a huge misunderstanding. It was just those leather pants, man. Yeah. So I'd say if you haven't seen it, if you like music, I'd say it's a decent movie. It's not one of the best. It's Uh, not like The Wall. You won't be that caught off guard when you watch it. Yeah. I think it's also a movie that's been a little bit forgotten. I didn't even know that it existed until you asked me to watch it. Yeah. I don't think it won any, uh, any awards. So I guess that does it for... Uh, our show and i hope you had a good time listening to us you know this was an enjoyable talk topic something different yeah a little casual yeah we are drinking kalamazoo stout Uh, i don't know if jeremy's tried this before this is one of my favorites this is a first but it's from bells i went to school in michigan yeah i'm very familiar with the brewery so yeah it's from bells i got this in a store in new jersey Mm -hmm. so you can find this kalamazoo stout it's one of the better ones. There are, there are a ton of good breweries out of Michigan. Bell's is one of them. ABC is one of them. And then there's a um, Dark Horse Brewery is another good mm-hmm. one. Just three of my favorites. But they got a ton of stuff out there. It's tasty. This is a good one. Okay. So thanks for listening. And uh, you'll hear us again soon. Ta-ta for now. Intro and exit music by the band 99%. Today's show was produced and edited by Jim Thatcher. Jim and Mike Talk Music is recorded at, did you say, Seven Studios in Washington, New Jersey. You can find Jim and Mike Talk Music on Apple Music, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The song's Energy by Scott Holmes Music, and We've Been Here Before by Ross Cole. Used with royalty-free permission.